Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hey, everyone. Thanks for being here and joining us and listening today. I'm really excited for my guest. Uh, there's a lot that you're going to learn, so much that she has done. And, and before we get started, I want to say thanks to um, our sponsor, Powertexting.com. For those of you that want to um, use text versus email in terms of getting in touch with your prospects, getting in touch with your clients, Powertexting.com is a great place to go. And they also, as part of their sponsorship of my show, they um, give away a trip. So stay tuned for how to um, – how to get in on that and be part of the drawing for the trip. And this show is all about entrepreneurship. It's all about how you can be better in your business and how you can continue to grow and attract new clients. And so we want to learn the lessons that people have learned along the way, and we want to learn how to attract clients because clients are what drive your business. As you know, I'm a business coach, consultant, and I focus on how to attract clients now. So I encourage you, as always, to grab my book at freebookfromadam.com. It's eight steps on how to attract clients without spending money on marketing or advertising. It's a step-by-step, -step, easy read for you. So definitely go and download that. Our guest today is she's an influencer. She's a radio personality. She's run companies. She's a coach, a consultant. She supports entrepreneurs in a number of different ways. We're going to learn a lot about the world of PR, the world of how to position yourself in the marketplace, and how to become an influencer yourself and what that looks like. I'd like to welcome Sharifa Hardy to the show today. Thanks for being here, Sharifa. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Adam. It's my pleasure. I wouldn't miss this for the world. I appreciate that. I appreciate you being here. You've done so many things, and we're going to dig into a lot of them, but You've been on the Internet since 1994. Um, I remember in 1994, I was actually in Europe, and I came back from Europe in early 95, and everyone was like, what's your email address? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what an email address is. So I missed sort of the birth of the email address in AOL because I was gone from 94 to 95. You were at the beginning of it, in the heart of it. What got you started going that direction? Well, the funny thing is I always tell people my driving force is the same today that it was then. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and I knew that the Internet was the only way that I would be able to stay at home and be able to generate revenue. So back in 1994, I was ahead of my time, and if I would have realized then how far ahead of my time I was, I'd be a billionaire now. But, hey, you know, everything happens in this time. Well, if it, just because you didn't do it yet doesn't mean it won't happen tomorrow, right? Right. That's, that's – yeah, and you have, a, you have a quote about you're always on the rise. What, is, what does that mean? Because even though you started the Internet in 94 and you've done amazing things with multiple businesses and you've helped a lot of people have success in their lives, but you still think you're on the rise. Why? Because I know I'm on the rise. I don't think there's anyone who gets to a point where they're like, this is all that, can do, that they can do. Successful people are never satisfied. That is one of the symptoms or, or 
ways you can tell a successful person they're never satisfied. They may get to a certain point and everyone's like, wow, you've done it, you made it. And they're like, okay, well, what's the next, you know, valley to or hill to climb? I mean, you look at Oprah. Oprah was a success for years and turned around and launched her own television network. You know, then you watch Oprah. She has her own pizza now. Successful people are always looking for what's next, what's next, what's next. You know, I get bored very easy. I'm li- I always look for, like, the next challenge or the next wave of things for me to do. And were you always like that? Were you born that way? Yes. Yes. I can tell you a funny story. No, let me yeah. tell you this funny story. I tell people this, and this is in no way to insult people who have ADHD or ADD or any of that, but I tell people, you know, I'm in my 40s now. If they would have had ADHD when I was in school, I would have been diagnosed with it. I was always all over the place. Even, you know, I was very um, intelligent, and I was very quick. I tell people now, even now, I talk fast, I walk fast, I type 85 words a minute, I do everything fast. And so when I was in school, I would finish all of my work early, and so I would walk around and talk to people and just have a good old time until one of my teachers called my mom and said, this is what Sharif is doing. And my mom said, well, give her some more work. And that's how I learned to sit in my seat and not bother people. I'm always looking for something else and always all over the place. That's so funny. So in, in order to get you to calm down, give you more to do. Yes, I didn't want that. No, I didn't want more to do. I already did but, my work. <laughs> but, but you found more to do. And, and so with that, with that energy and with that just drive to keep doing more, did you know from a young age that you would – have your success by starting your own business or did that come later in life when, when you realized you wanted to be a stay at home mom? Neither one, actually. Let me, let me tell you how this process went. When I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom back in 1994, and that's why I always tell people, don't listen to other people. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Follow what's best for you. Because in 1994, when I wanted to be an entrepreneur, my family and everybody said I was lazy. See, in, in 1994, the idea of working from home was, wasn't out there. Now millions and millions of people work from home. But back in 1994, it was unheard of. So everyone said, if you don't go to work, if you don't go get a job, you're just lazy. Now, I was making money, not, you know, a lot of money, but I was making enough money. But people still felt that because I didn't leave my house, I was lazy. And so I would always go and get a job and then – I was laid off over seven times. And when I first started getting laid off, I was like, oh, my God, my resume is horrible. No one is going to hire me. You know, I have these gaps. People are going to say, why you didn't stay at a job? And then somebody I went to interview for or interview with said to me one day, they said, Sharifa, you know, you have the resume of an engineer. And I was like, wow, that's a different perspective because what he was saying is like an engineer, I have a lot, I have a varied skill set. You know, I can network computers, I can build websites, I can do marketing, I can do search engine optimization, I can do um, Google AdWords, pay-per-click, so, I, I can write articles, press releases, because each time I would get a job, I would learn from that job. I work for SEOP.com which is one of the largest search engine optimization companies in the world, worked for them, laid off six months later when they relocated all their staff to Malaysia. So I just used my skills to, to later on become an entrepreneur. 
That's really an interesting perspective because a lot of people may think, all right, I've been laid off from a bunch of jobs. I'm getting the wrong jobs. But you said I've been laid off for a bunch of jobs. What can I do with this information and what can I do with this skill set that I've built? Yes. I think a lot of people look at it like they're getting the wrong jobs, but what people, you know, hindsight is, is twenty twenty. is when you look back at something, then you see, you know, what was really happening. When I was getting laid off, I thought it was me. I thought it was just, you know, I couldn't get a job. Jobs were hard to get by, to come by. And then as I, as you know, time went on and I began talking to different people, everybody was hit by the economy in 2008. You know, I was laid off the first time after 9-11-2001. All of a sudden, the economy just shifted, you know, and I was a part of that shift. So for a time, yes, I did think it was me, but guess what? There is not one job that I've worked for that I haven't learned a skill that I've been able to take into my business. So now, you know, and I tell people, it's funny, I'm a consultant. I, I do marketing, but I went to college to be an accountant. Adam, can you believe that? An accountant. Like me and all my energy sitting there crunching numbers, but I have a skill set where I can do just about any aspect of a business. Wow. I mean, obviously accounting, and, and there's a stereotype about accountants that they're boring. Actually, H&R Block has really funny commercials right now about, <laughs> yes, about their accountants. Uh, my wife's an accountant, and, um, you know, she always talks about – any meeting she goes to or any interview where she wants a, an accounting job, she does outsource accounting, they all hire her because she's the quote-unquote accountant with a personality. But that's an amazing skill that so many entrepreneurs are terrible at, yet they still do, right? They still do the accounting. They still do the marketing. They still do the client service. They do all of these things, but they're bad at them. So in your career working with entrepreneurs and being an entrepreneur, how have you learned to use your skills that you're good at and do those things that you're good at, but delegate or find people to do the things that you're not or that don't bring in money? Well, in, that's an excellent question. I like that question. That was a good question. You made me think for a minute. Let me, let me, let me mull this one over. But no, <laughs> seriously. When I went to, to school to be an accountant, it wasn't because it was difficult for me. It was that after a while, I just figured, why can't we just, you know, round up, you know, just round up some numbers, put them in a, in a little account, and everybody's happy. So I can do the accounting aspect of it. I just don't want to do it all day, every day. So now what I do is I make sure, and what I always advise entrepreneurs to do is if, if you – don't, even if you don't have a college education, take some business classes, take some business courses, take some accounting courses. Don't just hire someone to do the accounting because if, if you hire someone to do any aspect of your business, they can tell you anything. So just because I'm not doing all the accounting or I'm not doing all of my payroll, best believe I know where every dime is. Now I don't want to round things up. I want you to account for all my pennies. I want to know where they all at, you know? So that's what I recommend to entrepreneurs. Know every aspect. Be hands-on with your business. So no matter what it is, whether it's the customer service or, um, you know, accounting, whatever it is, you should know every aspect of your business. That's number one. But number two, where a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong is they get into business before, for the passion of it. They're so passionate about their business. But what I mean by that is 
say you're, Adam, you love motorcycles, okay, and you're like, I love to ride, and this is the best thing, and I do this every Sunday, and this will make a wonderful business. Just because you love doing something, it doesn't mean that you understand the business aspect of it. So if you want to do something and create your own business that you're passionate about, that's fine. That's wonderful, but understand that it's a business, and that's why, again, entrepreneurs entrepreneurs become struggling, starving artists because they just want to do it for the love of it. They do it because it makes their heart sing, but at the end of the day, they're not making any money because they're not looking at it as a business. That was two huge ahas right there. So for everyone listening, the first one is trust but verify. You don't have to do all yes. the work yourself, but – Trust the person you hired to do it, but know enough that you can verify that they're doing it right and that they're taking care of you. That's huge, and, and I love that. And then the second part of it is, is the passion part of it, that everyone says follow your passion and the money will come. Well, if you follow your passion, but there's no market for your passion, or you run your business into the ground because you're only following your passion and you don't understand the business side of it, you're not bringing value to yourself in terms of dollars, but more importantly, you're not helping anybody else because your business isn't there because you were solely focused on the passion side and not the reality side, which is running a good business. Yes, I love that. Let me give you another example, Adam. I probably have taken over your show now because I don't know where we're supposed to be at this moment, but the last, one of the last companies I worked for was American Express. I was a trainer for American Express. I taught the sales department in American Express. And when you go to work for American Express, what they teach you day one is what I consider gold. And I take this into all of my companies. If you come to work for me day one, I'm going to tell you the same thing they told me at American Express and what they told me to tell the new hires at American Express. And I'm sure you heard of American Express. No? Yes. I, I've heard okay. of them. I, 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 I give them a lot of money, I think, or somehow they make money because I charge on their card a lot. Right. So if anybody knows about business, American Express does. But when you start an American Express, one of the first things they tell you is this. We are a for-profit corporation. That's it. And that's all. We're not here to save the world. We're not here to make everybody feel good. We are here to make money. And see, large companies are comfortable saying that. American Express can say that with pride. I sat down and had many a conversations with Ken Chenault and talked to him about business. But at smaller mom and pop companies, smaller, small to medium-sized companies, we have this feeling like we're supposed to, oh, let me just be of service. Let me just help you. And what happens is we help people and we help ourselves right out of business. It has to be a value to what you're doing. If you're in business and you're offering a product and a service, you should have money. You should make money. You should be successful. That's how you boost the economy is by creating small to medium-sized businesses. So that's, sometimes I just simply work with business owners to monetize what they're currently doing. All right, so three big things right there. One, I need to get American Express as a sponsor because I think you said it nine times. Two, I need, <laughs> you, to hook me, I need you to hook me up with Ken Chenault because I need him on this show uh, because right. uh, I, 
I actually started my career at American Express as well way back in the day. Oh, wow. And and oh. and number three, I think this is crucial to every new business owner, entrepreneur, or those of you who are stuck or you're struggling. There's a value to what you do, and don't be afraid to charge for it. Don't give it away. So. When, when you thought about your first business, when you were on the Internet, when, when you did, you've done radio, you've done TV, networks that you've run and that you've, that you've managed, I think you said you sold one for millions of dollars, which is awesome. How did you get over that hump in, to ask for the sale? I, had, I raised millions through an IPO, through an initial, initial public offering. We took the company public in 2016, and we did um, we raised funds until 2017, and so we raised about 10 million dollars for that company. So the company wasn't sold; it was just an IPO for that company. But let me tell you, this is the God's honest truth for you, your listeners. I didn't get over that hump until 2018. I started in 1994, but I didn't get over that hump until 2018 because what I did initially was I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I had two kids that were like, Mom, we need food, help, you know, feed us. And so I would go and I would get a job. And so then I would create my own website. And when I created my own website, all my friends, all my family was like, ooh, I want a website. So they would give me a little something, and I would build their website. I started marketing my website. I showed them how I ranked number one on Google organically, and guess what? Everybody wants to rank number one organically on Google. So I started to help them. And because my phone, you know, everybody was like, ask Sharifa, ask Sharifa. Now the, the majority of my referrals that I receive are simply people who call and say, you know what, I don't even know what you do, but Adam said to ask Sharifa. And then I'm like, okay, well, talk to me, because I'm sure there's some way I can help you. And my phone was ringing, and I started Ask Sharifa Radio. And remember, when I started in 2009, a lot of large companies had people who did traditional marketing. They had whole, you know, offices full of people who understood traditional marketing. But they, those same people didn't know what a tweet was. So they're like, Ask Sharifa. And so I would talk to these business owners, but from 2009, I never charged at all. I just was like, oh, be a guest. I want to help people. I want to share your story. I, I want to, you know, save the world. And I did, and I was homeless twice. So now I don't make that mistake anymore. I make sure that what I'm offering is a value to people, even with my PR company, which is in the news PR, in the news I have relationships. I, I, from 2013 until 2016, I did the business plan for a television network, built the website, took the social media from zero to 26,000 followers just on Facebook, did all the PR, did all the advertising. There's hardly anyone in the city of Los Angeles who I meet that hasn't heard of that television network. And then... I had to go start my own company, but because I had so many relationships with the media, I said, you know, what can I do with these relationships? And so I started my own PR company. I started my own interviews where I interviewed um, business owners via video, 
But now I don't do those interviews for free. I value my time. I value the information. I value the platform. I value the, the effort and energy that it takes to promote it. I, I value and understand that, guess what, it costs me for website hosting. Now, what if I go out and help all these people and do all these video interviews and I can't afford to pay GoDaddy, who I've been with since 1994, they're $8 a month. All the video interviews are gone. So now I say, okay, if you want to be a part of this movement, you want to be a part of what we're doing, you want our audience to be able to hear about your product, your service, okay, go to the website and schedule your interview. But I, I don't do it for free. I, I, I absolutely love that. And as you can guess, if you go to Ask Sharifa, that's S-H-A-R-I-F-A-H.com, you can, you can see more of, uh, of what she's talking about in the interviews that she's done. So go to AskSharifa.com, uh, and it's a great way to connect with her. And on LinkedIn, she's Ask Sharifa as well. And I, it's great that you, you're, you've got the passion, you've got the, the business, but it took you time to say, you know what? Here's what it is to work with me because I've got the knowledge that you're looking for, and I'm happy to help. I want to serve you, and this is the investment for me to serve you. And a lot of business owners that I've worked with and that you've worked with have always struggled with what if they say no. And so that probably has gone through your head. That's gone through your client's head. How do you think about it? And how do you help those people understand that it's okay to say no if someone doesn't value you the way you feel like you should be valued? I love that question, too. And I can, I'm going to answer it in a couple of different ways. I believe it's the value of it. But also business owners, entrepreneurs, small business owners are the only ones who think that way. And what has to happen is you have to change your mindset to stop thinking like a small business owner. Think like the big boys. When you think like the big boys, you'll do what the big boys do. I'll give you a basic example. You got what they, are, what they commonly refer to as a grocery store near you, right? Yep. One now, right around the corner. You, right. Okay. So you with me. See, you've been following along my examples. But if you went into that grocery store, and I don't even have to name the name. It could be any grocery store. But if you went in there and their milk was, was $10, that's too much to pay for, for milk, and you don't want to pay it. But are you going to take that milk to the counter and say, cashier, um, I think I want to give you $3? No. You're either going to pay their price or you're not. Even if that milk is $1.15, if you get to the cashier and you say, you know what, I think this milk is worth $0.50, cents, so I'm going to give you $0.50. Cents. The cashier is going to say, of oh, security, that's the only thing they're going to say. But see, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No. If I'm wrong, tell me when I'm wrong. No, you're but, right. But as small business owners, we don't value our services. We don't value our time. We're so afraid of losing a sale that, that we put all these blockages in, in place not to, um, you know, get the sale. I'm going to give you an example. And this is not necessarily something that I do all the time. But I had a client who wanted me to build a website for her. I knew from the beginning this client was going to be difficult. But I also knew this client had the money. So what I did was I doubled her, her price, and I charged her at least three times what I wouldn't charge anybody else. And, again, 
I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just telling you what I did. So I finished her website after she told me, oh, I, I don't care. I know you'll, you'll design a wonderful website. Just do whatever you like. I said, oh, here we go. Here we go. I tell them all the same, go find me three websites that you like. Okay, it doesn't have to be your industry, but the, the same look, the same feel, something you like about it. Oh, no, it'll be wonderful. I said, okay, we're about to double her price. I designed the whole website. She said, you know what? I don't like that. I, can, you, can you design something else for me? I said, okay, no problem. Sure, wonderful. I designed her a whole other website. But see, because I already knew she was going to be difficult, I tagged in her irritation fee and her price. So I, I knew at the end of the day I was going to get the value that I needed to get, and I was able to service her with a smile. Does that make sense? No, it, it does because you said, all right, I know, I know what I'm worth. I know the value. And this is what it costs to work with me. If she said, no, I'm not going to pay that, well, then there was probably somebody else that may have less of, you know, the PETA factor or that may not um, challenge you in the way that she did. So you said, all right, here's what it costs to work with me. And she said yes. And so she became a client. So let me ask you a question on that, right? Because we can always charge people more if they, we know they're going to be more difficult or we can always change our offering if, you know, somebody asks for something different. But when growing a business, especially the, the, the small business, and I don't mean that in terms of just a few clients, small businesses can, can do very well, make millions of dollars, but they need to scale. So if you're going to charge different prices or if you're going to have one-off or custom services, it, it makes it hard to scale. And you've scaled multiple businesses and you've been able to raise money. How have you married the two? So how have you said, all right, we want to be custom and we want to be able to treat the client the way that we need them to work with us and we want to work with them, but also scale at the same time? What I think happens is I don't think, and I may be very wrong about this one, that corporations, your Fortune 100, your Fortune 500, spend as much time thinking about that we're a corporation as small business owners spend thinking that they're a small business owner. What we do is we set our price and we say, okay, I know Target sells it for $30, but because I'm a small business owner, I'm going to sell it for $5. And what happens in, in, in setting it at such a low price, we have left ourselves no room to wiggle, no wiggle room, no marketing room, no operating room within that price. So we just want to get something. And so now where the larger store may have sold it for $30, if they sell two, they made $60. If the small business owner sells two of the same exact item, guess what? They made $10. So they have to do a lot more work a lot more sales with a lot more money. What I would do and what I recommend is just throw that whole idea out the window of being a small business owner, medium, all of that, out the window. Look at your value, the value of your information, the value of your product, the value of your service, and you answer that question, what is it worth? 
What do you value as it, it, it at? That's what I've always done. That's how I've been able to scale businesses. When I've been operating businesses and times have gotten harder at times, instead of reducing the price, I increase the price because then I have money for marketing and it doesn't take the same amount of work because I don't need 300 clients as if I was trying to sell the same item for a dollar. Does that make sense? That, that makes total sense. It, it, you know, not thinking that it, and there's any difference between a big business and a small business. You're in business and you're providing a service. It doesn't matter if you're Apple or if you're Adam or if you're Sharifa. You're offering a service and, and there's value there. We're talking to Sharifa Hardy, AskSharifa.com. Uh, this has been great so far. We've got a little more to come. I do want to jump back in um, and, and support our sponsor, uh, powertexting.com. Please do me a favor, everyone listening and everyone that's subscribing. If you text Adam to 480-544-7555, 480-544-7555, text Adam and you'll be entered into the drawing for everyone listening that wins a free trip to either Cabo, Orlando, or Las Vegas. Trip is paid for. All you have to do is pay the resort fees and the taxes, and um, you've got a three- or five-night stay for free on powertexting.com. Appreciate them for supporting us, and appreciate you, Sharifa, for – honestly, that was a huge – knowledge bomb or whatever the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> Treating yourself as a business, not as a small business, is a huge leap for a lot of us to get over. I've done a ton of these interviews and interviewed a lot of people, but no one's ever explained it that way. Um, I want you to expand on that for one second because it's a hard thing to get over is to see yourself against whoever your big company competitor is. If you're selling, you know, copier services, you don't want to go against, against IBM. If you're a mom-and-pop restaurant, you don't want to go against McDonald's on the low end or Fleming's or Outback on the higher end. Um, don't make fun of me for putting Fleming's and Outback on the higher end, but you know what I mean, right? So I, think, <laughs> I agree. I like Fleming. <laughs> How do people see themselves as more than they think they are? Well, let me just answer it this way. I always say, ask Sharifa, ask Sharifa, ask Sharifa. But then the people who know me will say, oh, you might not want to ask Sharifa because I'm going to tell you the truth as I see it. When people ask me who my competitors are, I, I tell them, I don't know, probably somebody out there, but I don't know. I don't focus my time or my attention on the competitors. I think especially with your food example. I am a foodie. I love to eat. I love to um, try new things. I believe when you, and my, my uncle was a chef. He just loved to cook. And he, he, he was in Maryland. So it was a lot of seafood and he would make all these wonderful dishes. He, he loved to cook, but he never went into business. But when you love to cook and you have a passion for, for cooking, just like in any business, if you really have a passion for it, the customers will come. The clients will come. When you have that mindset, okay, well, McDonald's is across the street. Let me open this McDonald's, this hamburger business right across the street from McDonald's. That's when you're going to be afraid of this competition because you now are literally 
right across the street from McDonald's. But if you open up a restaurant and you really have good food, people will come to your restaurant, especially in 2019, because all you have to do is go on Uber Eats, go on Postmates, add that you're in business, you have tacos, you have this, you have hamburgers, whatever it is. People will go, most of the people, I'll tell you this, and some people may agree, disagree with it, but the majority of the people, when they're looking for food, they're, they look more for proximity than anything else. And I can tell you, I'm a recluse who never leaves her house. I don't leave for anything. Grocery shopping is through Instacart. My food comes Postmates or Uber Eats. My laundry is picked up by Super Sud. A whole lot of advertising for people who didn't pay us, but I'm just saying. I know I'm going to make a million dollars just off of selling that this. <laughs> This podcast with everyone, <laughs> all the names you're dropping, but so far, hundred percent of companies I, mean, I actually use. So keep going. <laughs> right. So when I'm hungry, I don't look at it like, okay, well, which one is you know the competitor? I look at it. I just want to know who's gonna give me my food in fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, because I want tacos right now. I may want hamburgers tomorrow. Tomorrow I may want um, something else. I may want salad. I may want Greek. Where I am in downtown Long Beach. Food is everywhere. I have a sandwich shop, a Thai shop, a whole bunch of shops right around the corner for me and walking distance. So when you build a business, it doesn't just have to be food. Give, have a good product. Have a good service. Go out. And this is another, another thing that entrepreneurs, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. You didn't ask this question, but I'm going to answer it for you. My biggest pet peeve is entrepreneurs, business owners who come to me and they say, Sharifa, I, I don't have any sales. You know, I need new clients. And I'm like, okay, well, let me take a look at what you do. And I review their websites. I review their social media. And they have two friends, two fans on social media. And I'm like, okay, how do you expect to get clients? and customers if you don't even have fans on social media. You're not posting on Instagram. You're not posting on Facebook. You never did a tweet. How do you expect people to come to you? And they're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I'm not good with social media. I'm like, well, social media is the key. Content is key. That's why if anybody wants to know how to get to the top of Google, it's content. If you're an e-commerce site, you're going to come up last. Content, that's why Wiki comes up first. Again. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's content. Content, it's content, content. Right. It's information. So if you're not putting any content out there, especially on social media, people have it. You, you're a restaurant. You sell tacos, but people can't see a taco. You think I'm going to go to eat from a place where I ain't even seen the food? Come on now. Like, this is basic business basics. And they say, well, I don't have any inter in anything interesting to say. I'm like, wait a minute. Because what I'm hearing you say is there's nothing about your business that you find interesting. Okay. You with me? Take. Like <laughs> you don't find your business interesting, but yet you want your customers and your clients to find your business interesting. So let me ask you a question there. Uh, and I'm going to take it in a different direction in a second, but there are people out there who are like, I find my business interesting. I love my business. I love, being a yoga instructor. I love being a, a plumber. I love being a mechanic. I love being a, a coach and consultant like what we do. But if you're not willing to put it out there on social media, why is it, if you find it interesting, why aren't you putting it out there? That's what you're saying, right? 
Yes, but see, the it, see that's a confidence issue. That's all it is. It's it, that the answer to that simple question is they are saying I am not good enough. I think people will laugh at what I have to say. I don't p- think people will respond to my post. I don't think people will be engaged in what I have to say. But let me tell you how they say it. That's how I say it. But how they say it is, uh, I'm too busy. I'm fixing the cars. I don't have time to post. Okay. You know what I mean? Your customers don't have time to respond to you then. Wow. So that leads me right into, into to my next question, which is, what you're really doing now for, for the small business owner, for, you, for your clients, is if you go to in the news PR, in the news PR.com, you're all about that PR, that public relations. You mentioned Postmates and Instagram and American Express and um, Instacart. I don't even know what that is, but they deliver food to you, so that sounds pretty cool. Right? So you've got Google all it. these companies <laughs> yes. and Google, right? So. Yes. For those that don't have the confidence to do that, obviously go to Asharifa and, and hire her in order to do this for you. But talk to me a little bit about the art of PR because it's always better when someone else sells you than when you sell yourself. So mm-hmm. talk to me about the art of PR and what you do and how people can get their name out there so people talk about them like you just talk about yourself or talk about the other companies you reference. How do you build that top of mind awareness? Well, for years, for basically probably out of 25 years, the last 23 of those years, I consider myself an online marketing specialist, online marketing specialist, online marketing specialist. Everything I did was based around me being an online marketing specialist. Then when I went into Hollywood and I started working in television, it was like Eureka. It's an aha moment where I said, hey, this is actually PR. This is public relations. And even though I was the director of marketing at that television network and I had a team, uh, a marketing team around me, I began to see what I began to say to new hires when they would come in. And that's kind of a good um, way to take a look at a business. Like what do you tell people initially when, they, when you meet them, when they're hired? What do you tell them about your business? So when I would have the marketing team, I would always tell, tell them one of the reasons I'm, I'm so successful at marketing is I know how to spin a story. That's where most people mess up. I can take a chair and I can sell that chair. Why? Because when you sell the chair, first it's a new chair. Then it may be a brown chair. Then it may be an old chair. And then it's, you know, an antique chair after it was an old chair. But it's the same chair. It's just a chair. You just, but see, what people try to do is they, they, for some odd reason, people think price is the only thing people care about. And what I always ask them is this. You, a person can have no money but let the new iPhone come out. Guess what? They're going to buy that iPhone. They found the money from somewhere. And when I, when I was teaching sales way back at Cheap Tickets, I learned this expression, and it was T-A-L, which means they all lie. People will tell you they don't have any money. They have it. They just don't want to give it to you. I don't believe that. I believe that if you have a product or a service that is of value that people need, not necessarily want, but take a look again. I'm dropping all these names, so we're going to go back with Apple because everybody knows Apple. But look at the iPhone. Look at, look at even 
I have the Google Pixel 2XL, right? But with our cell phones, they've put into our minds that you have to get a new cell phone at least every two years. Every two years. That's even a contract. It's a two-year contract. Adam, am I wrong? No, you're right. And okay. Never mind that you have a you don't have an iPhone, but we'll 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 judge that later. Go on. That's okay. That's okay. But I always <laughs> tell people I'm okay with that because whenever I get a new phone, I use my phone until it's broke, it doesn't work, I don't care about insurance, none of that. And then when I go to the store to get my new phone and they say, Well, what do you need your phone to do? And I say, I need my phone to ring and to receive text. If it can ring and receive text and it's not a flip phone, I'll take it. That's what I need my phone to do. But see, everything else is just marketing. Everything else is just creating that demand. But you can't market by just saying, buy now, click here, get this. No, you have to create a story behind it. When you, create a t- when you watch commercials, you mentioned that H&R Block commercial. You didn't, it, it, it stood out in your mind because it told a story that you can relate to. Correct? Correct. So that's what PR is. That's what I do. And how I get people in the news, I can take any item, any product, any service, and I can spin it into a story that people can relate to, and then it becomes a movement. See, once it's a movement, everybody has to be a part of that movement. Why? Because it's, it's, life is like high school. What was that song in high school? We want to be where the in crowd is. We want to go where the in crowd goes. So if you don't have this or you don't have that, guess what? You're not a part of the in crowd. And since you're not a part of the in crowd, you suck. And so I just take people and I make them the in crowd. I love that. So if you want to be part of the in crowd, PR is the way to do it. It's not, it's not about telling the same story over and over again. As you said, you can tell whatever your product or service is, there's three or four different ways you can tell that story because different people are going to relate to different messages. And that's what PR does, and that's what Sharifa does. Uh, that's what I do when I, when I help my clients. Uh, I do it in a very different way. I don't work on PR. I hire people like Sharifa in order to do that for my clients. And, but it's knowing not that you can do it or even how to do it. It's knowing who can do it. Mm-hmm. So let people know how, you know, how can people tap into the energy, the excitement, the knowledge, the clientele, everything that you have. And she knows a lot of people in Hollywood. She's been in this business a long time. She knows a ton of people. How do people engage with you in order to take what they, what they have, but they're, they don't have the confidence or the know-how or the, the will to do it themselves? How do they engage you to help them do that? In one or two different ways. People work with me in different ways. Some people just want a consultation. And so I'll consult with them, and I'll, and I'll tell them what they need to do. Because it's confidence. I'm telling you, it, I, I, 25 years of experience, I bet the house on it. It's confidence. Because I can give you one example to prove that. The Pet Rock sold. You remember the Pet Rock? <laughs> oh, yeah. You probably had a Pet Rock. The I did not, did but I know people who you did. I had, a flat, I had a flat fish in my dorm room. I don't know if you remember right. the flat fish, but I had I the same concept. <laughs> exactly. But people bought it. So what I do is I help people to take whatever product or service 
that they have and create that same kind of business model or idea to market it and get it out there. And if not, I'll do it for them. Because some people say, you know what, Sharifa, I just don't simply have the time. I get it. I understand it. But that's what you do, and I hire professionals. So I can consult with them to help them, you know, create it themselves, or I'll do it for them. I love it. Thank you so much for – there's probably 20 different things that are implementable (laughs) immediately that you dropped in the last 33 minutes that we've been talking um, that people can implement right now, right? You don't need to to hire somebody. Obviously, I would love you to hire me. Sharifa would love you to hire her. But the point of what we're doing here on this podcast is to learn different ways that you can go out and do something a little bit different, do something a little bit faster, do something a little bit more engaging for your business. Sharifa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for everything that you've taught us. And I hope people listen to this. I would do it multiple times because there's 10 different things that we all learned today. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your knowledge. And really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for the opportunity. It was my pleasure. You got it. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Look forward to talking to you on the next one. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.